Welcome to our Indigenous Business Leadership Podcast. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver, and we're broadcasting today from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. This episode is part of a four-part series we're running this week to coincide with the publication of BIV's inaugural Indigenous Business Magazine, Makukpi Selim. The magazine was edited by Chastity Davis-Alphonse, who is co-hosting this series. She is the founder of Chastity Davis Consulting. Chastity, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me here, Haley. As you know, the series focuses on Indigenous leadership, entrepreneurship, and reconciliation. Our guest today is Heisley Nation Chief Counselor Crystal Smith, who was recently re-elected in a landslide victory to serve another term as Chief Counselor. Welcome so much to the show, and congratulations on your re-election. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Now, this is going to be, I believe, your third term as chief counselor. Uh, how were you feeling and what were you thinking when you were first elected to the position back in 2017? How does that compare to what you're thinking and feeling now? So I was elected as a part of our leadership in 2013. And back then I was uh, an elected counselor um, when Ellis Ross, our previous chief counselor, decided to run for MLA position with the Liberal Party. Um, I became the acting chief counselor about eight months left in that four-year term and decided to run in 2017 for, for the position. Uh, the comparison from then to now is it, it feels like such an honor uh, to, to be reelected uh, simply uh, for, for the work that not only myself has contributed to, but our entire council and our administration and just the the, the feedback from the community is that they they appreciate what we're doing. Um, they believe in what we're doing. And I am so honored uh, to, to be reelected. It is definitely an overwhelming feeling. Uh, one that I, 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 I would have to say definitely means more than the first time I was elected to be the chief counselor. Yes, I'll echo Haley's congratulations to your third uh, term as elected uh, chief to the Heisla First Nation. Um, I am follow your career from afar, so really wonderful to have the opportunity to connect. And um, interested in hearing from you, what have been your uh, biggest lessons in leadership um, from uh, your first, you said you were on council um, in 2013, and then you've shifted your role into being the chief of the community. Uh, what is like one or two big lessons of leadership um, since you've been uh, running for leadership in your community? I One of the biggest lessons is uh, definitely uh, to, to lead with uh, lead and make decisions based on uh, not only our generations today, but our future generations with, within our minds and our hearts. Um, it, it is always crucial to, to always have um, our membership uh, in, our, in, in our minds um, and, and, with, and lead with them. I, I often was told uh, at the beginning of my, my first term as chief counselor, Ellis Ross was, and, and for, for most people that know him, is a phenomenal leader. He, he leads with passion. He leads with integrity. Um, he was a huge role model of mine, still is. Uh, but when you hear him speak about our, our people, 
he, he speaks with passion. So I often was told, speak from your heart. And when I would get nervous before going and doing any types of events like this, um, I was told, and it was recommended, speak with your, speak, allow your people to speak through you. So I've always had that in, in my mind as in any um, decisions or, or any co- uh, conversations that I have is, you know, my, I, I take into consideration um, what opportunities, what legacy will be left. I'm, I'm a grandmother. Um, my grandson's three years old. Um, so I often, when I go home, especially he grounds me so much uh, for motivation, but also that thought process of what's going to be here for him in the future. This is the perfect segue into a, a quote you've been quoted as saying that I wanted to read, and that's that our governance system has been managing poverty. And in the quote, you go on to talk about how that's shifted over time. And I'm hoping you can elaborate a bit on what that shift has involved, the work chief and council have had to do, and the shift in mindset that has potentially had to take place from managing poverty to thinking about future generations and establishing and managing intergenerational wealth. Uh, it is definitely one that has, and, and it's continued today, the, the mind, mindset shift, um, not only from our council table in, in, in managing that poverty. I'm, we, I, I sit on the council and I'm so honored to have learned from, from previous leaders. Uh, I've, I've not only as part of my elected um, seat, I was actually the executive assistant uh, to the first female chief counselor in our nation. Uh, Dolores Pollard, and then also the assistant to, to Ellis Ross. So I've sat around the table listening to the history of, of what our nation uh, has progressed from. So I, have, I sit with council members such as Kevin Stewart, uh, who's been on council for approximately 20 years, where he, he remembers, you know, making decisions around a photocopier um, because of such tight uh, penny pinching times that that we've had to experience and the decisions that were essentially at the council table because we were so close to going into remedial management with Indigenous Services Canada because of the of, of um, the finances back then and I came uh, I, I came uh, became assistant at a time where um, things were slowly shifting um, we I, I was at the table and, and able to witness first agreements uh, that were being signed. And I remember when, you know, we signed an agreement with, with uh, Kitimat LNG at the time and, and the thought of um, the amount of money and, and the policies that were being developed around um, the own source revenue that, were, that were, we were generating to the community was was so foreign that, you know, just, just that I'm, I'm remembering, I actually sat in this office, this was my, my previous office as, as their assistant, wondering what, what this all meant for our people, and progress ourselves to the Rio Tinto agreement, that's where it started, the Kitimat LNG agreement, uh, fast forward to LNG Canada, and, and Coastal Gaslink, and now Cedar, it is definitely, it, it's, it's only been 10 years, 12 years uh, since this shift of, of managing uh, our wealth has, has come to fruition for us. And 
it is, like I said, it's, it's a mind shift from, for, for our council. Uh, it's a mind shift for, for our staff. It is a huge transition to be moving in, in a momentum where we're working for our people. And I say that with such huge pride and huge honor that we're able to implement programs that are, are meeting the needs of our people today and future generations. Um, we're ensuring that we're, we're being fiscally responsible, that we're ensuring that you know seven generations down the road have the same quality of services and programs that we offer today. Uh, a, a shift from say 10 years ago to today most First Nations communities are, are losing our, our language as we lose our, our elders and the generations that speak, speak fluently in our languages. We're able to invest um, in, in language and culture programs that ensure that we keep our Haiza identity alive and, and living in generations today and for future. Um, you know, I, I, my, my twin sister uh, works in, in our community school and she took on a new role as their uh, culture and language. Uh, I, I guess she's a, a mentoree under, under our elders. And to hear her speak our language is, it makes me so emotional. Um, my grandparents passed away when I was quite young. But I remember listening to them, especially my grandmother, uh, when she didn't want us to hear what she was saying or know what she was saying, she would speak our language. Uh, having our, my, my other grandparents come over and, and them speak in the kitchen in our language. And, and now I get to hear my twin speak. It's, it, it, it holds a lot of... Uh, this is what I've worked, what we've worked for. This is what we want and it's becoming a reality. And I see it more and more um, as, as I uh, engage with our community members, whether that's culture and language, or it's, uh, it, it's a young single mother with her first time job where she's able to have healthcare benefits and, and um, other benefits that come with having a job and being a role model for, for, their, for their children. Thank you for sharing um, the impact of um, shifting your mindset from managing poverty to creating and managing wealth. It's touching to hear um, how that has impacted not only the, you as leadership, but your all of your community members. So just wanting to acknowledge you for continuing on that that hard work um, and important work for your community um, now and for the future generations moving forward. I know that um, many British Columbians uh, have are following your career. You have become a household name in BC for the incredible work um, that Heisla Nation has undertaken. And notably, this is re related to the concept of managing wealth and, um, and one of the most well-known projects is the development of LNG. So what has that this experience been like for, for you um, as the leader of the community? I, I, I definitely would, would love to take the opportunity while I'm, I'm honored to, to be seated in this, in this position for the last four plus years. 
I, I definitely want to want to take the time to acknowledge our previous leaders, um, specifically uh, Heber Maitland, who is a, a chief counselor 20, 20 plus years ago, um, who who had the vision of of um, participating in our economy. And I've been quoted saying uh, our vision, our, our, our desire is to have always wanted to share and say in our economy. And that was his vision. And, and he, he advocated so heavily um, for, for our nation to have a seat and, and to have a share of, of the wealth that was being generated from our territory. And, you know, leaders like Dolores Pollard, who I mentioned, who was our first female chief counselor, who you know, it, it has always been inspiring to, to our entire nation uh, for, for taking on that initiative as a female leader. Uh, Rob Robinson, Gerald Amos, um, Steve Wilson, uh, and of course, I'd mentioned Alice Ross. Uh, they were all visionaries. They all took initiative. They all progressed our nation. And, and we wouldn't be here where we are today without um, chief counselors and, and the elected leaders that sat around a table making hard decisions to get us to where we are today. So I want to give credit um, to, to, to them. Um, as for um, as as for myself, uh, <laughs> it is it, it, it. When I hear things like that, that I'm a, I'm, I'm a household name, I mean, it wouldn't I wouldn't be in this in this seat without them, right? I I would not. Our nation would not be where we are today without the hard work and and um, the thought process of of our our previous leadership and our, our current leadership. Not only our leadership, but our, I mean, the backbone of our, our community is our, our administration. Um, they are the ones that are changing people's lives. They are implementing the programs that we require. They are progressing projects such as CEDAR and LNG Canada um, forward in, in a manner that, you know, we are having our share and we are having our say. This week, we had an event with 10 Indigenous leaders sharing their respective visions for economic reconciliation. And I'd love to hear from you what your vision or what Chief and Council's vision is for the community in terms of creating and fostering and manifesting economic reconciliation. Um, I think a, a part of every First Nations um, desire is, you know, ownership. It, it's progressing our nations to be to be that um, you know whether it be through partnerships or complete complete ownership, um, but to have that ability to in in whatever whatever sorry whatever economic opportunities are are present in in your territory is is to have that um, much uh, participant to it, and in in terms of our um, economic reconciliation. You know, I, before this meeting, I was taking part in uh, a discussion with uh, some of our staff um, and introducing our, our CEDAR LNG project. And the difference in that, our CEDAR LNG project, you know, we've, we, we were successful in, in being able to negotiate uh, as a part of our, our accommodation uh, capacity off the coastal gas tank project, uh, at, which feeds LNG Canada. And, you know, when, L when they announced their final investment, positive final investment decision, it gave CEDAR a, a, a reality of 
uh, success. And since 2018, our nation has been uh, working very diligently and very hard uh, to, to ensure that that project is successful. And I'm proud to say that you know, we've um, been able to maintain, we're, we're majority owners of the project. And we have just recently signed Pembina uh, as, as uh, a partner, uh, which I believe truly gives um, Cedar the credibility and, and the power to, to be successful in that. So um, that's where, what we're working towards uh, is, is, the, is that success. That's really exciting to hear, uh, Crystal. the The journey that you that you and your community and have been on um, in regards to shifting the mindset to uh, managing wealth and being involved in a number of different projects. Um, and we've talked a lot about the incredible successes that you and and your community have had. I'm curious about what challenges um, uh, face still face you uh, at this point in in your journey or in your community's journey. So, I mean, while we're generating the wealth, there are definite. Um, it, it it's not. It, it doesn't make it any, it, it, obviously, I mean, with the, the revenues generated, definitely make it a, a little bit easier, but the transition um, from, and I, I, I call it the INAC box mentality, which is Indigenous Services Canada box, uh, the, the mindset. What we're seeing is a, a huge, um, you know, not a huge, but we're having difficulties in, in terms of moving outside of that. Um, that box and those expectations. Um, it, it's a huge shift um, for, for our community. It's a huge shift, not just for our community, but some, some of our, our elected leaders. You know, we're, we're treading into, into waters that are, are new to us. And, and to, to have the pressures of, of knowing that we're making decisions that impact seven generations down and always having that in the mindset is, is sometimes very um, nerve wracking for for not only the council but but for myself as well. Um, you know, we, there's there's not too many um, maps out there by by other First Nations that you know, and and it's often said that our communities, while we're all different in our in our own way, and you know, there's to be able to reach out to other prominent First Nations, such as the Soyuz or, or uh, West Bank or any other community that's, that's experienced in, in uh, this type of wealth, uh, it is ne not necessarily a, a map that we can follow. So leading, and, and like I said in the beginning, to have your, your people in, in your mind and your heart as you're making these decisions and having all the information that we possibly can um, is definitely uh, a huge shift and and is is one that i'm i'm so proud to be a part of though i i've often described you know this when i when i talk to our team internal team and just prepping for for these cedar engagement sessions uh one to be reelected i was just reelected on monday um so this is my first first week that i'm i'm finishing up uh being reelected and our, my first meeting was uh, Wednesday morning. 
at eight o'clock and just the, the feeling of being able to continue this work and telling our team we're part of history. And, and the digital state that we're in today, we're fortunate enough to have these conversations recorded so that future generations, if they, if they ever want to take a look back at when things changed or, or when decisions were made and why they were made, we're able to record that. And, you know, it, everything that we're doing, you know, it, it's so tremendous. And I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of, of our elected leadership and also having the administration uh, that we that we have behind us doing making these changes. Wow, when you put it like that, I, I get chills. It's so powerful and you really can see and everyone who's on the outside of the community watching with awe what you're doing, it, it does feel historic and it has been historic and that's why so much uh, deserved recognition is being paid to what's happening in the community. Uh, you, as I mentioned before, just reelected. So you're sitting uh, right at the start of a new term. I'd love to know what your priorities are going to be for the next two years. Uh for, for the next two to three years, we're actually, uh, it, it is definitely to continue, a continuation of, of the work that we have uh, completed. We have a lot going on in our community. Um, and again, it's that shift from, um, you know, we've, we've supported these projects with the vision of being able to work on behalf of our people. Uh, that's meeting the needs, the current needs and, and ensuring that we have the, the abilities to sustain what we're implementing today. Uh, so it, it's, again, creating all the foundation that we require. Uh, we've, we've invested a, a, a huge amount um, into infrastructure within our community so we can start generating and having more space for our staff to be able to, to provide the uh, enhanced programs and services that will impact and reach our people. Uh, we just built, uh, we, we just moved in uh, a, a bunch of staff to our newly built health, health center that the nation partnered with with government to to provide for for our nation. Um, last week, or just before the elections, I was at a groundbreaking ceremony. That uh, I'm I'm so happy to say that we're we're building a, a youth center, which is the first in ever in our community's history. You know, we've we've kind of you know, had makeshift spaces for our youth where they would offer the programs and services but now we're able to provide their own space that is going to meet their needs in their manner um, so that will be well so it's a continuation um, of building the infrastructure needed for our community today and to continue that program that that shift of um, enhanced and and new programming uh, that will will help benefit our, our people today That's super exciting, um, Crystal. Thank you for sharing your priorities. Um, we've had a pretty deep and fulsome discussion here. And I just actually want to ask you um, if there's anything else that you would like to share that we haven't touched on um, that's important to you to include in this discussion about your reelection, you're managing your mind shift, um, anything about being a woman chief, anything that uh, you feel like sharing at the end that um, listeners would, would like to know um, about you or you feel that's on your heart when, you, when we opened the discussion. Um, you said that you're uh, 
leaders before you said to speak from your heart. Um, and so I just want to ask if you have anything um, that's on there that you'd like to share as we wrap up the discussion. Uh, you're in, it, just over the last, I'd say, you know, a couple of years, uh, it is definitely uh, been more, more common for, you know, the, the fact that I'm, I'm a female um, in, in this position. Uh, it, it definitely presents its, its challenges. Um, definitely, uh, you know, in, in some circumstances, even my age has, has definitely brought up, um, some unique situations that I've been presented with. Um, but I think one aspect that I definitely want, um, to, to take the time to acknowledge for, you know, as as I went through these uh, elections, um, you know, it, it's often been described as a very thankless job. Um, it's very time consuming in, in regards to, you know, the time, the effort. And yeah, I'm, I'm literally 24 seven with the mindset of, of what I'm, I, I do from, for uh, our community. Um, and I just want to acknowledge other elected leaders um, that, that put, put themselves in these positions uh, it it is definitely a, um, it, it can be an underappreciated position uh, in in some of our First Nations communities. Uh, I I have yet to meet uh, an an elected official that uh, comes into these positions with a with with a, a, a selfish thought process or or one that comes with ambition of ill intent. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge the the other leaders for for doing the necessary work on, on behalf of our people um, to progress our nations forward and to progress our people forward. Um, so I, I I just wanted to take the opportunity to to say that. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for sharing insight into your work as a leader and some of the very exciting things that have been happening within the Haisla Nation community. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for reaching out. Our guest today was Chief Counselor Crystal Smith and joining me as a co-host throughout this entire series is Chastity Davis Alphonse, founder of Chastity Davis Consulting. This has been the latest installment of our Indigenous Business Leadership Podcast. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find more episodes in this series at BIV.com slash audio. You can also subscribe to this show by searching for BIV Today on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for joining us.